a 10, but his name is Edward. Hi, G. Hi, Shannon. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Three Books, One Plot, the only podcast on the web where one of us reads Life and Death, one of us reads Midnight Sun, and some child-coded Spider-Man stan who knows way too much about the Omegaverse reads Twilight. Hey. That's me. I'm so excited for everybody to meet our dear friend Lilia. Me too. I'm also excited for that. I'm so excited. Lilia... I don't even know how to describe how we met you, Lilia. <laughs> I met Lilia because she made fan art of one of my <gasps> that's Oh, right. that's so true. Yeah. And someone else shared it with me and was like, look, somebody made fan art of you. And I was like, wow, incredible. Yeah, I think Anna posted it. Anna was like, hey, it look. It was Anna, yeah. She doesn't have a Tumblr, but boy, does she love that fic. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very fun to show up to the Discord and actually meet Lilia for myself and try to figure out what to make of her yeah no I, I agree because i think the first time we spoke to lillian she was like come to my house and then she listed her address on this public discord server so many times um nobody here can tell but i've been smiling <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you for informing us God. Um, but yeah, Lilia is one of the people who makes me laugh harder than anyone on this fucking planet. So I'm so excited for this episode. She's what they call a character. A character. Possibly the main character. No, Lilia is literally the main no, character. No, we just discussed this. <laughs> Who's the main character then? It's not me, but I do get oh, killed. In a slasher film, you're not the main character because you get killed very early. I, agree. I get killed very early <laughs> on. Gee, you'd be the main character and that's not fucking fair because I would die first because I'm blonde and I'm also comic relief. So you guys can go fuck <laughs> Sorry, yourselves. Sorry, you're just too blonde for main characterhood. Here's Lily the and thing, I are going to have to Shannon. duke it out depending on the genre. I have pure innocence. That means I'm the first to go and everyone's like, oh no, she drowned in the lake because of her autism. <laughs> um, and then you die. And then they're like, a grown woman? That's not supposed to happen. Um, and then they find out it was ghosts all along. Oh my God. See, that's basically the whole thing right there. I love that. Yeah. I want to see the ghosts. No, that'd be good. Um, but yeah, no, Lily's going to be our Twilight of the week. Uh, she has read for this episode here, uh, chapter 10 of Twilight, which is in, oh God, what's it called again? Interrogations? Interrogations. Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, the feminist of the week, the feminist of the week is G. She read chapter 10. I uh, sure Life did. and Death, also titled Interrogations. I'm Everett's therapist this week, and I don't want to be. You know what? And I don't want to be. Fair. That's that's what we've got a plan for you guys today. Uh, Lilia, I don't think I know this. Yeah, I don't know your history, fandom-wise. Like, what got you into fandom? Um, my father, who regularly read your bio that dad? nerdy shit. Yeah, my biological father. Not Let's G, be right? No, my okay, biological father. That's an inside father. joke. We joke that I am Lilia's father. Don't worry about it. It's not a joke. My biological, she raised me. Um, she's more of the emotional father. My biological dad just provided genetic material. Um, Aww, teamwork. He read to me Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings as a little baby child every night so that I would go the fuck to sleep. And it never worked. Uh, yeah, those are fairly exciting. I got invested. Yeah. Um, How old were you when you first started getting into these? Ooh, like six. Oh, six or seven. Dang. Before I knew that things were on the internet. Because then in middle school, 
in late elementary middle school is when I got into fan fiction. And I'm pretty sure my first foray into fan fiction was supernatural. You and so many people. <laughs> yep. They really dump you in head first in the supernatural <laughs> phantom. I believe it. You don't get to dip your toes in. And then I don't know, then I everybody reads some weird ass Harry Potter fan fiction. Sure. Everybody reads some weird Doctor Who fan fiction. We no. all got into Sherlock. Nope. Well, weird no. Sherlock wing stuff where they got wings. <laughs> Every no, this is a universal experience. Sure. You know, wing yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. thing. Wing a it's called wing lock. I know what it is exclusively from the fan splaining fan fiction trope survey. I had never heard of it until that. I'm so glad I'm Jared nineteen. <laughs> um and then I the first intro to Twilight that I ever had. And I had already written some fan fiction prior to Twilight. I already mm -hmm. written some like Sherlock fan fiction and just stuff in notebooks at school, right? Everybody mm -hmm. does that. Yep. Don't tell me otherwise. Um, yep. My first introduction to Twilight was seeing Breaking Dawn Part 2 in theaters. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I wish that was everybody's introduction to Twilight. I did not see Part 1. I did not read any of the books prior. My understanding was what the general public understood about Twilight. Sure. Uh, for the entire movie, I thought that Jasper was Carlisle and Carlisle was Jasper. <laughs> I had no idea who anybody, because they're all white and they all have like yellow hair. And then I became very interested specifically in Alice and Jasper and Peter and Charlotte. Boom. Valid. Yeah. They run the fucking, they run the show. Um, and then I was very interested. So I went to Barnes and Noble, mm. as you do. Um, and I sped read like in I read at least half of it in Barnes and Noble because like, listen, mm -hmm. I steal things. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, damn, these fuckers need to tell me more about Jasper and Alice. And then I immediately stopped paying attention to Twilight for like 10 years. And then I got very sick during the pandemic. And I was like, I need to make some new friends because I couldn't go anywhere. And I saw a fun little Discord open that was for people interested in Jasper and Alice. And I was part of the Renaissance. So I joined and the rest was history. I would also like to preface um, this discussion by saying I have dyspraxia. <laughs> no, no other context. We'll get into it later. We just got back from a girl's trip. Which for Shannon and Lilia, it was not that much of a trip. It was a little bit of yes, a trip. Yes, it was. It was a big for trip. For the rest of us, we had to like cross the country. The two of them live in LA and we went to like Arrowhead. So it was a day trip. Listen. <laughs> but with sleeping. <laughs> Me and Lilia slept in the same bed like how many nights in a row? Like eight? Just like thick characters. Only one bed. But we, despite going not to any of the locations in Twilight, we did a really good job of doing Twilight tourism on this girl's trip, oh, I think. We did. we did. For those of you who don't know, there were some spin-off short films that are actually canon in the Twilight universe. It was like a contest by Stephanie Meyer and a bunch of other people. Um, so one of them is, there's actually several of them that are about Alice, but one of them is about Alice and Jasper meeting for the first time in Philadelphia, which I think we talked about in a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Um, and there's this clip of them in this these like this area where it's like a square not half a mile but a big area of white lampposts which is a famous installation at the Los Angeles County Museum of Modern Art 
Um, and it's very obviously not in Philadelphia. <laughs> it's so clearly not in Philly. They were not frolicking on the rocky steps, guys. So we went and frolicked in the lamps. Um, the Jalous Because lamps. we had to. The Jalous Lamps. It was lamps. so cute. And then we saw a few yellow Porsches. We actually got pictures next to one. We posed with a yellow Porsche. Shout out to whoever's car that was. <laughs> we we had to live our Alice Cullen dreams. Um and then what else did we do? I mean, I drank a dirty soda on my drive from oh. Colorado to LA because I had to go through Utah. And I was like, now is my chance yeah. to experience authentic Mormon dirty soda culture. So I actually filmed it and you guys will be able to go check that out later. We're getting so deep into the Mormon soda lore. I'm so stoked about that. We've learned so much. <laughs> I never thought that sentence would be a thing I'd ever say. <laughs> the, the Mormon, Mormon soda, soda lore. Fast forwarding to actual book talk. Um, this is an exciting day for the timeline check-in because we're finally no longer on Tuesday, March 8th. <sighs> we have spent the last several episodes in hell <laughs> on Tuesday, March 8th, and we're finally moving on to Wednesday, March 9th. It truly feels like the end of like Groundhog Day when he's like, oh my God, it's the next day. It's the hell that never ended. <laughs> Tuesday, March 9th at last. Um, so get excited about that. Another fun little note is that Shannon gets to read Midnight Sun. She gets to be Edward's therapist for two episodes in a row because there's a upcoming episode where I'm going to have to read three whole chapters of in Midnight one Sun. one episode and it's going to be so, so funny. That's our little attempt to balance that out. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's Tuesday, March 9th. And that's when Twilight starts. So um, take it away, Lilia. Whenever you're ready, um, 30 seconds of chapter 10 of Twilight Interrogations. The floor is yours, Lilia. All right, I would say from my point of view, this book is all about um, the first week of creation in both <laughs> the Jewish Bible, the Christian Bible, and um, the Mormon Bible, as well as uh, Adam and Eve's fall from grace. Thank you. Well, yeah, it's just a summary of this specific <laughs> chapter. That's that's the whole chapter. <laughs> okay. I'm going to kill you. Do it right. Yeah. No, that I, I don't know how else to describe it. How else would you describe it in a sentence, the whole chapter? Bella and Edward create life and then they <laughs> eat an apple and it's fucked up. Like that's, <laughs> am I wrong? That's uh, what happens. They meet each other. They're finally together to talk about things. And then they eat a fucking apple. True. That's it is rather biblical. a motif in this chapter, yeah. <laughs> It's biblical. It is biblical. She's not wrong. I mean, there's a quote from the Bible as the um, part of the beginning of the book. So Biblical. It's biblical. Maybe so. I won't argue with her there. <clears throat> All right. Anyway, so. Enlightening. Thank you, Lilia. You're welcome. <laughs> now we're going to get 30 seconds of life and death, chapter 10, interrogations from G. So G, okay. I mean, whenever you're ready, take it away, bestie. All right. So Edith drives Beau to school where they spend the day gossiping and swapping spits, sharing a slice of expensive cafeteria pizza. We learn about Taylor's prom, prom plans, Edith's kink for pathetic beta male cucks is exposed, and she almost oh. gets in a fight with 50% of her siblings. Unlike Edward and Bella, Edith and Beau are once again engaging in more banter, telling more jokes, having more fun, and getting more ass. And by ass, I mean premarital handholding. The end. It's so true. Oh, there's so much more fun. They're so much more fun. They're just always having more fun because they're more fun people. They don't take themselves as seriously and it makes all the difference. 
Um, all right, so that was life and death. Shannon, are you ready to summarize Midnight Sun for us? Yeah, I don't. I don't go <clears throat> too crazy on this one. I just wanted okay. to. I just. I'm so tired. You wanted to lower the people's expectations since you've raised the bar so high in no, the past. I need to settle it back down for a minute. So okay, okay, we'll we'll allow you this week off. I'm ready when you are. Well, I'm tired. Edward does his thing. He can't touch her. He claims that he loves her more than she loves him. He can't fuck her because he'll, and I quote, break her. And God for fucking pity lets himself feel happiness without hating himself and daring to be so happy. This is what religious trauma does to people, folks. Anyways, Edward creeps out all his classmates and teachers. Jessica wants all the tea. Alice just wants to be allowed to talk to Bella. And Rosalie is currently working on her new book, 100 Ways to Eviscerate Your Brother Mentally and Visibly. But at least we get two other things in this chapter that Edward hates. Bella's green sweater and eating pizza. Cheers, brothers. I'll drink to that. Hell yeah. Hey, 28 seconds exactly. We love to see it. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I forgot. Let me... um. Oh, do you have a green sweater? I almost found a green sweater to wear, but it's just too hot. I wish we weren't recording this episode in august yeah not only wear is it a hot, green sweater not only is it hot but i always have to turn off my fans and air conditioning before we start recording yeah shannon's gonna die in her ugly green sweater <laughs> this chapter it, this listen this episode's fun but i will say this before we start twilight it's not because of twilight that it's fun it's because once life and death happens we start getting we start enjoying ourselves yeah. This is a really standout life and death chapter. Like, I know we said the same thing last time, but last time it was because the bar was so low. Here, it's just it's just objectively a fun time. I enjoyed being life and death person this yeah, week. Yeah, I'm excited for you to get into it. But before you get into it, let's get into Twilight. Hey. Well, yeah, I'm almost scared to ask what you have to say first. Because I'm nervous <laughs> you're going to start spouting, like, Bible quotes or going. <laughs> I'm not. I don't, I don't know where this assumption is coming from. Um <laughs> The very first note I have is the quote, it was very hard in the morning, and I just wrote LOL. <laughs> I don't Wait, sex tape. Dude, same. My first quote is also a sex tape title. It's, um, <laughs> he didn't respond, and I wondered if I had ruined the mood. <laughs> title of Bella's sex Damn. tape. Damn. <laughs> so I'm, I'm shaking hands with Lilia about that. It's probably the best part. There's two great parts in this chapter, and that is the first one. I mean, she wakes up in her house because we left off at the iconic line about irrevocably. Yeah. The first couple pages are very fun. Yeah, her breakfast, her three bites of a granola bar. She scarfs down three bites of a granola bar, and she drinks milk straight from the carton like a whore. No, because she's a teen. She is teens, bro. Damn. She's slamming the fridge. She's running downstairs. She's got her hair in a messy bun like a proper Wattpad sold to One Direction girl. You know, it's a good it's a good start. Um, one thing I noticed about this chapter um, is that it's a little foggy out, and I maybe kept a so. Fog, I kept a fog count. She mentions the fog five times, so we know that it's a little bit foggy out. <laughs> perhaps, um, perhaps it is. And I relate that to the mist that God created in Genesis <laughs> two six and Moses three six um, in both the Christian Bible, the King James version. And the Book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh my god. Following with my theme of this chapter is the Bible. Okay. This chapter is several. It's got mist. It's got fog. Just like the Bible. It's got granola bars. It's got milk cartons. Listen, things are being creative. She's waking up out of a fog as in she's just been created. A new life is occurring. Um, <laughs> she's starting a new life. And she has choices that she can make. That's a big theme of this chapter is choices. Um, And when we read the Bible, (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) one thing that I 
didn't like about this chapter was the lame ass, have you noticed I'm breaking all the rules now? And the way that they took that and they transformed it so beautifully. What does he say in the movie? Since I'm going to hell. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. They really um, stepped it up. I do like that he shows up, though, and he's like, oh, do you want to ride to school? Like, oh, he's already opening the door and looking at her like, get in the car. Like, oh, I'm giving her a choice. No, you're not. You're already there. Just call her. I would ride in the car, but that's because I'm a woman and I'm curious about <laughs> the inside of men's cars. What the tree of life has to offer. <laughs> So by getting into the car with him, she's basically, it's the fall of mankind. Yeah, I agree. Yes, no, no. yes, correct. It's the fall of mankind. And she mentions curiosity a lot, which especially in the Mormon Bible, that's like a big theme was Eve's curiosity. The fall of Bella kind. Good for her. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I like when they get to school and Rosalie's has driven the others in her convertible. That's ostentatious because Edward has to say it twice. Her convertible that she has in Forks, Washington. She has a convertible. It's very fun. She can't go in the sun. She can't go in the rain. It's just the most impractical (laughs) car to have. Uh, it's so funny though because Bella's like, if she has that, why does she ride with you? And it's like, exactly, Betsy. Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, she's slumming it in the Volvo every goddamn day. And then it's funny because he's like, we try to blend in, and she's like, you don't succeed. She like, like why? Bella laughs in his face. She's like, you're not doing a good job. You try to what? <laughs> like, so funny. She's fun in this chapter. She's relatable. She's just a hashtag girl. Yeah, Bella does some good. Yeah, she has some good lines. And you know what? She asks some good questions in this mm-hmm. chapter. She is a little inquisitive, um, sinning woman. And (laughs) I'll share the other favorite part of this chapter is when she actually gets him to eat the apple. And he says, well, he doesn't eat the apple, though. He does. He takes a bite out of it. He eats the pizza. Oh, yeah. He eats a pizza. But the pizza can be an apple, metaphorically. Yeah, he I agree. eats anything. Jessica's fun. Jessica's fun this chapter because Edward's like, oh, good luck with that. And she's like, well, what the fuck does she want? He's like, obviously, she wants to know what happened. Jessica wants the tea. Yeah. Bella is weird, though, in her reactions. Almost like she's like gaslighting so many people where she's like, listen, I don't know if he knows this but I have a crush on him. And Edward's like, <laughs> I'm in, I'm going to marry you. And she's like, I'm, I've not seen any signs that he like, like, is she, does she have like an overarching plan to like fool Jessica into thinking that she could date Edward? Cause she's very much like, no, he didn't really like me. Like, and she's like, did you kiss? And they're like, we're not really like that. Like, what do you mean? You're not, did you kiss or not? And then at one point. They should just say, we're Mormon. Yeah. And then like, this is when Jessica's in class and trying to get all the info. And then at one point, Jessica's like, oh, I mean, like, if someone that hot were talking to me, I'd also be like, and Bella's like, it's more than just that. But girl, what? Well, it's funny because there are so many times like where Bella will shut down some line of inquiry Jessica's making, but then refuse to like elaborate. correct her or elaborate. Yeah. Like yeah. Jessica's like. Oh, he's like, who cares what his personality is like because he's so hot? And Bella's like, shut the fuck up, you whore. He's got an amazing personality. And Jessica's like, oh, but in what way? doesn't elaborate. And Bella's like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Jessica says he is unbelievably gorgeous. Bella then says there's a lot more to him than that. Jessica, really? Like what? I wish I had let it go almost as much as I was hoping he'd been kidding and listening <laughs> in. I can't explain it right. A girl that don't break. Shut up. 
What do you mean you can't explain it right? Well, it's a great parallel for Edward and Mike and where he in the, the like, I think it's episode four where we talk about how he's everyone's watching Bella and paying attention to her, but only Edward really sees her for who she is. It's exactly that in reverse. Everyone else is like, oh, he's some hot guy. And Bella's like, I see his delicious personality. Like, okay. Like, uh, so. okay. Like, I get it. I can see like above and beyond it. And I can see how it can be seen as romantic because like all, yeah. all that Bella knows, sure. He's a vampire. He wants to be good. But like if Edward had had greasy skin or bad hair or whatever the hell Bella's been bitching about people for, if he'd had any of that, yeah, then she wouldn't have looked twice at him. I don't know. I mean, she's kind of mid this chapter, in my opinion, because she has some good moments, but then she does things like her interactions with Jessica. It's funny that Edward sees Jessica as the shallow one because Bella thinks of her so dismissively and she's like the only reason she even asks about Jessica's life the only reason she even shares with Jessica that Mike has asked about her which is like pretty important teen girl information yeah is because she's trying to deflect like she clearly doesn't actually care about Jessica she's only saying it to get Jessica to stop talking about her and it's like I'm you're exhausting would it kill you to think about someone else for 10 seconds Bella like you're so exhausting to me Bella um is such a shitty friend and everyone yeah. around her is such a good friend to her. It's And when we get to Midnight Sun, we'll talk about more about this. But Jessica's thoughts aren't even that bad. They're not no, even they're that not bad. No, they're not at all. Bella couldn't know what she's thinking. Mm-hmm. Bella doesn't know if Jessica's like, man, I want to make sure that Bella was okay last night. It seemed like she was having a little bit of a situation. <laughs> Bella's immediately like, wow, she's clearly asking me this to get into Edward's pants. Like, Jessica's the only one who's talking to you, ma'am. Yeah. Maybe try to keep this friend, the only non-vampire um, friend you have. Yeah, not Bella calling Jessica shallow for saying that Edward's hotness excuses all his flaws, and then turning around and being totally cool with the fact that he's a literal serial killer. That's so true. Like, girl, you're doing the same thing. Stop trying to call her out. Bella knows the dirt on Edward that Jessica will never know. And she still excuses his behavior. And she, she's so ungrateful and she just hates it. God forbid someone's nice to her. It's very But odd. if they're not, then it just helps serve her fucking martyrdom. There's Anyways. no winning. Yeah. There's no winning. God. My favorite line in this whole chapter that I want to point out right now mm-hmm. is um, as they're getting ready to leave class and it's almost lunchtime. Um, Edward is waiting outside of the classroom. We don't know this yet, but all it says is Jessica took one look, rolled her eyes, and departed. Because Jessica realizes that Edward's standing outside the door waiting for Bella. Can I contextualize that? Because let the record show that this is a chapter with a lot of eye-related crimes. There are more than 14 mentions of Edward's eyes alone in this chapter. I hate that. And the only valid mention of eyes is the line Shannon just said when Jessica rolled her eyes and departed. I think that's so fucking funny because she really just went through that like teeth pulling conversation with Bella trying to get basic information from what she thinks is her friend. She walks out the door and he's standing right there after Bella's like, yeah, I don't think we are anything like this is, I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you asking me anything? And then he's standing outside the door waiting for her. So she rolls her eyes and walks away. (laughs) That's the correct response to Bella, honestly. Like more characters need to roll their eyes and depart. (laughs) God, yeah. And then boy, oh boy, do they go to to lunch. They go to lunch. They go to lunch. I think it's pretty exciting that this is the chapter where Edward eats pizza. I'm with Lilia there. It's very fun. And it sets um, 
sets up a lot of rules for the vampire universe that I enjoy. Yes, I agree. Because, like, these are rules where, like, if you're just a casual fan of Twilight, you might have maybe not known this. But Edward eating pizza, put a pin in that because he's going to tell us more about it and it's going to be great. One of the things, like I said, huge in this chapter is that he eats what she gives to her, which is so overtly biblical in like (laughs) such a crazy way it's just like you can't possibly ignore it i know i keep bringing it up but to ignore it would be crazy this is the wet dream of a devout mormon and this is her this is her romance this is the sin that she thinks of like yeah edward has killed people but you know it's sexy as shit Eating some, eating some food that someone offered you. Now I'm imagining her like sexily feeding him the pizza, you know, like kind of romantically. There's pizza's like one food that you can't make sexy. Don't say you can. Well, hold on. Don't say no. (laughs) Um. Oh no, there's a part that I really want Lilia to commentate on. Um, Bring it up. But no, they're they're sitting there and they're doing their insufferable talking back and forth at one another about like, oh, we care about each other, but do you care about me? And then at one point, Bella's like trying to talk to Edward and is like, okay, but look at me. I'm nothing like I'm nothing fancy. And she says this. She's like, well, look at me. I said unnecessarily as he was already staring. I'm absolutely ordinary. Well, except for the bad things like the almost near death experiences and being so clumsy that I'm almost disabled. Let's let's dive into that one friends so let's bring that Um, take a pin take a pin out of that word you mentioned earlier lilia take that pin back out (laughs) it's called dyspraxia dyspraxia d-y-s-p-r-a-x-i-a it's a developmental motor coordination disorder it originates in the brain so you you are born with it um and it affects the way that your brain communicates to the rest of your body um so it can make tracking things with your eyes very difficult Um, It can make executive functioning very difficult, and it can absolutely make fine and large motor skills incredibly difficult. That is the hallmark of dyspraxia. In fact, it was once coined as clumsy child syndrome. That was an official diagnosis. Clumsy child syndrome? That's so funny. It was an official diagnosis. Oh, boy. It was in um, 1975, Sassen Gabe, who was a medical doctor, called it clumsy child um, syndrome. Mm-hmm. And okay. another doctor called it congenital maladroitness. So it's, wow. it's very much um, a disorder that you see manifest in childhood. And it is the child is very clumsy. They can't hold a pencil. They can't tie their shoes. And they eat shit every day. <laughs> and I have, I have this particular condition diagnosed in childhood. Clumsy child syndrome. I've got it. I live with it. Um, and the fact, first of all, Bella has dyspraxia. Yeah. And we see this throughout the book. Yep. Um, we see this in her falling and slipping on ice, which is a common thing to do, but she does it over the top constantly. We see this in her stumbling, in Edward just picking her up instead of letting her walk down like one stair in the movie. Um, we see it constantly. And we know she has dyspraxia. We she's a menace to in, all her the classmates in gym. She's like a grenade. Um, <laughs> when Midnight Sun, Carlisle is like, "Damn shit, Renee must have dropped this girl on her head every damn day." Um, when in <laughs> no, reality, a good clearly mom. she was just tripping 
and eating shit. So, and Bella even says that. Bella's like, no, like, I'm just super bad at things. And then the fact that she's like, I'm almost disabled. Um, and then Edward goes, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> fucked up. It's insane. He says, I'll admit you're dead on about the bad things. And he has a medical degree. He's the one who should be out here like, I think you have he dyspraxia. <laughs> no, yeah. It's also very telling as to Stephanie Meyer's views on disability, on like physical disability. Yeah. That Bella is cured of her quote unquote clumsiness when she becomes a vampire. Yeah, spoiler um, alert. Yeah, when that happens. Pretty, pretty fucked up that that occurs and that Bella is like, wow, I guess I just wasn't meant to be alive. Um, <laughs> which is something she says. I maintain that Bella has dyspraxia. And not only that, but I maintain that it's fucked up that everyone around her is like, yeah, clearly you're a fucking idiot. You're just <laughs> falling left and right. We have to help you do everything, Bella. Um, and it's like a common theme, especially in this book where Bella's like, but who am I? I'm just a little girl. And Edward's like, actually, you're a fucking menace. You're so <laughs> difficult to be around, but I guess I love you. I also, I like how the same cafeteria scene talks about Edward's large white hands. I because hated now that I'm line. imagining him wearing like Mickey Mouse gloves. Like he's the hamburger helper. He's got these big Ronald McDonald clown hands. It's so gross. It's so bad. I hate it it's, so much. It's not attractive because she really passes it off like it's another a description of Edward's attractiveness. He's got these large white hands, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes on and on describing his eyes, kind of like I said earlier. Just in, in a two-page span, we have his dark golden eyes piercing, his liquid topaz eyes penetrating, <laughs> his topaz. gleaming amber ochre gem-like orbs of sight boring out of their sockets and into mine like the wolf-shaped <laughs> battering ram from Lord of the Rings. Like, we get it, Stephanie. Calm down with these eye descriptions. And that's the case that actually for anybody who after um, this goes on to read the other books, that's the case for every book. They've dumbed their eyeballs. They won't stop fucking looking at each other. It's enough. You get it. Yeah, get I got to say, it's I love okay. one thing I like about this scene is that how much Bella is trying to be an accomplice in her own murder. Like when Edward's like, please tell your dad that I'm taking you to a secondary location. And she's like, absolutely <laughs> no. not. No, she won't do it. Yeah. Which like as for Bella, I'm just like, yeah, like I also wouldn't update my dad that, you know, those plans I told you I was going on while well, I'm going with a boy. I'm hanging now. out with a sexy boy. Yeah, no. No way in hell. So like I'm a team Bella on that one there. It gets funnier because as time progresses, I agree with different characters and different chapters. But yeah, I'm team yeah, well Bella right now. The the fact where he points out like it would it would help me keep you alive if someone knew where we were to yeah. bring you back and she's like mm, nah <laughs> I'd rather die than tell my dad <laughs> valid she's so valid for that I also like the part where Edward implies that he would leave Bella in order to keep her safe and Bella briefly thinks about purposely putting herself in danger to keep him from leaving because that's some a plus foreshadowing foreshadowing yeah. when I read that I was like. Good job, girl. You do what you got to do. Be toxic. Keep him around. Tell, spoil New Moon for us right here in chapter 10. I like Twilight. when Bella's toxic. If Edward gets to be so toxic, Bella should get to be toxic right it's back to It's codependence, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's like the one thing that I'm like, you know what? I'll, I'll take that. That's worth one thing that the Ed Bellas have going for him. That fucking unhealthy codependence. That's just yep. fun. 
like unconsciously she was like what do you mean you can eat pizza i thought you drink blood <laughs> and it's like she found out about this last night you know <laughs> like she's already so on the same page i forget it's been so quick um i wonder too if he ate the same pizza that she ate well no he takes a bite and then she picks up the same piece of pizza and takes a bite as well nasty Put a big old pin in that piece of pizza the two bites and a pin and speaking of things they're eating, Bella is once again drinking a Coke. Like, how much did oh, they pay you, right. Stephanie? The product placement. I also really like that um, she ogles Emmett's muscles. When Edward talks about Emmett fighting a bear, she looks over mm-hmm. and has to check Emmett out. Hell yeah, she does. It's um, it's a wild ride of a 30-minute lunch period. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. All right. Well, I didn't have any other notes on Twilight. Lily, did you have any other Twilight notes? I mean, I have a lot of other Twilight notes. But I but mean, like, on not, the Twilight they're chapter. They're not relevant. No, okay. it's they're on the Twilight chapter. They're just not relevant. You sure? Well, one of them is, he rolled his eyes of all the things about me that could frighten you. You worry about driving? And then I wrote, eighth leading cause of death globally, which was clearly <laughs> me being like, yeah, Edward, she is worried about that. Put your fucking seatbelt on. Oh, I agree. Right. He needs to chill about the driving thing. Like she's a human and like you're you're putting her in unsafe situations, which you claim not to want to do. You know, I put I put there's a Spanish class. And then in the next line, Edward looks like a Greek god. And I just put an arrow and I wrote diversity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at one point jessica says he is unbelievably gorgeous and my note there was he's a 10 but his name is edward oh <laughs> you're right oh there was there's a time when bella is like it wasn't really his fault that his voice was so irresistible or what his eyes were capable of and i just wrote lasers <laughs> <laughs> um MVP. Who did you guys have? Uh, listen, I had Bella. You always, you keep goddamn picking no, Bella when she doesn't deserve it. Yes, she does. I don't think she does in this chapter. I'm going to give it to the pizza. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were <laughs> going to say that. I almost put it, but then I was like, no, I want to argue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not budging on Bella because I think she deserves I think, yeah, well, we're absolutely doing- not giving it to Bella. Not with the callous way she lied to Mike and Jessica and manipulated them and then was like, oh, I'm just a little shy baby. Don't like that. Don't like that. Listen, anybody that has to deal with Edward's bullshit, even if they're low-key super enjoying it, I think deserves some credit. His bullshit was not that bad in this chapter. Oh, oh, I can't wait till we get to Midnight Sun then, bitch, because I disagree. (laughs) Anyway, we have no, no clear winner for MVP because neither of us is willing to budge, so... This one will have to call a draw. I'm willing to budge if um, you guys give me something. Ooh. Um, the pizza. Do you want some mini M&Ms? No, not mini M&Ms, mini Oreos. Yeah. Do you want some regular no, size I'm Oreos? Gonna, no, I'm going to bring the mini no. Oreos. Wow. I'm going to bring the mini Oreos to you next time I see you. I need to go find some. All right. Some. So the MVP of this chapter for me was Bella Swan. I'll kill you. You're an unfilial son, and I know exactly what address you live at. Because you know what? She said that she thought the weather was perfect today, and she hadn't said that previously in any other chapter. And I think that's gross. Thank you. Wow. I it agree. She doesn't deserve MVP for it, but I'm it is gonna have those mini Oreos for you next time I see you. I'm going to strangle you and Bella in your sleep. Edward better watch out. The number one threat to Bella is me. Hell yeah. Because she didn't deserve this. Okay. Life and death, baby. You excited? I am excited. I mean, this was a pretty, pretty silly ride. 
I would say, in Life and Death. I forgot the major, it starts out on a major difference, which is that Bella did not keep Edward's jacket that he lent her, but Beau did keep Edith's scarf that's actually Archie's scarf that she lent him, the the goofy masculine man scarf. Wait, that's so cute. (laughs) I think it's so funny that Edith just continues to attempt to dress Beau in her siblings' clothes. <laughs> she steals clothes not only for herself, but for Bo. She's kind of like the Robin Hood of stealing her brother's clothes. Yeah. Imagine if instead of Edward giving Bella his jacket, he'd been like, yeah, I went through my sister's closets to try to find a jacket that'll fit you correctly. It's funny you should say that because I have the exact note. Can you imagine if Edward had tried to lend Bella Rosalie's jacket? They would never find her <laughs> yeah. body. Yeah, why does either think giving um, Bo Royal's jacket is going to go over well? She He's a messy bitch who lives for drama. For real. And Bo, again, points for awareness because he's kind of like, huh, I'm pretty sure Royal hates my guts. I don't want to put this <laughs> on. I don't want to wear it. <laughs> he has good survival instincts, Bo. I love you, buddy. <laughs> Edward in this scene is wearing a gray V-neck while Edith is wearing a lavender sweater. So who do we who do we think dressed better today to pick them up? And then he also, he's looking at her sweater and he thinks about touching her neck, but he stops himself remembering the boundaries that she put in place last night. So I'm pretty proud of Bo. He's doing good. Yeah. That's an interesting distinction because in Twilight, Edward just reaches out and starts touching the shit out of Bella's hair, which is Uh, so weird. So weird of him to do. Edith and Bo touch a lot more than Edward and Bella. What's their rice purity score? Their rice purity score is so, it's so high, I'm sure. (laughs) No, it's low because they're sluts. There's some whores in this house. Is it as low as mine? (laughs) We got a zero. (sighs) See, what's funny is that I have a new theory that I want to introduce. And I just think that... Because we've established that Edith and Beau are like a lot. Well, Edith is a lot more likable than Edward. She's she's fun. She has a sense of humor. She's great. Beau is, I would argue, just generally more likable than Bella in in many ways. In some ways, they're kind of the same. They're both kind of dicks. But like in other ways, like... He's a little more self-aware about the dickishness. Yes. They're both more likable people. But I think that it's because Stephanie Meyer has a hard time conceptualizing a brooding female vampire love interest. Mm, yeah. Edith and Edward, because at this point in the story, they are two completely different characters. Yes. Like, way different. Different characters. But Edith Edith laughs more. She teases Bo instead of just being downright cruel she to him. Makes jokes. She plays it off as a joke to him. She's not just completely cruel and cold and mean to him. And she's lighter and more, enjo- more enjoyable. So, and I think this also loops back around to Stephanie Meyer being like, oh, Rosalie's so, like, she's more than a pretty face is worth so i think that she just doesn't think that like female vampires are allowed to be like broody or like standoffish at all yeah and it's so obvious because edith should be just as broody and standoffish as edward is but she's fun i fucking love edith yeah it worked to her advantage in this case another another example of stephanie meyer being like no i'm gonna change things and everything's gonna be the same and then it's not well, and I think in maybe Bo and Bella's case, it's not that she's necessarily made more made Bo more confident, but I think she she feels like the same you don't know you're beautiful thing about Bella doesn't necessarily and maybe shouldn't apply to Bo. She gave him a little bit more romantic experience. She gave him a little bit more like worldly experience in general, like he's been bullied and stuff. So like I get the sense that like that also kind of works to his advantage and makes him more likable. I was unaware that Edith was so much more likable than Edward. And that makes me want to read it because I've always thought in my mind that Edward could not necessarily be very likable, 
but could be very like intriguing as a person because he fulfills the vampire stereotype of like he sits at home and he plays his grand piano <laughs> and he's like all he does is you know kill and he's a bad person but like stephanie meyer did it wrong you know what i mean she did it real boring um like if we had seen his serial killer arc that would have been perfect fuck yeah like if he had played the organ and killed people <laughs> the organ. that would have been <laughs> oh my god that's a piano the organ <laughs> he's like bella i wrote you a lullaby <laughs> it's, like- it's like five minutes of a religious hymn <laughs> there's like monks choral chanting in the background <laughs> Very vampiric. And that's very, like, brooding, Edward. But the idea of, like, Edith being brooding, it only appealed to me. It it would make me sad. I would be like, damn, and she's a woman? That's <laughs> That's fucked up for Edith. Man, I feel bad. You know what I mean? I yeah. would be like, you got every bad card that you could get. But the fact that she's, like, having a little bit of a good time. Yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. She's she doesn't she sweat do the things. small stuff as much as Edward. Oh, I like that. Before they get out of the car, though, both Bella and Bo think about how, like, oh, usually this car is full of his siblings. Where are they? And I think it would be so funny if he opens the door for her. She gets in. <laughs> she looks into the backseat. They're, <laughs> they're all in there. All they're all in there. All they're just in each other's laps back there. <laughs> just looking uncomfortable. <laughs> We're not even here. Just continue your conversation. We're not allowed to be ostentatious, all right? <laughs> we have to drive one, one car. To- We're blending in. That's why we have Emmett tied to the roof. Like. Yeah, I love that. All the sibling things, the little extra sibling relationship detail when Edith kind of offhandedly mentions that Royal always blames her for everything. You know, like just a little more more relationship characterization. I like when it's like, yeah, this is realistic to Twilight too. Um, Shannon, would you like to tell us about Bo and Jeremy? Because I feel like that might be an area of interest for you in this chapter. I like that he's like, hey, Jer. How's it <laughs> Jer. going, Jer? I think it's so fucking funny. They're in love. I think it's so funny that getting to bases and sexual sports analogies are for boys only. Because Jessica's like, oh my God, tell me what happened. And Jeremy's like, what base did you get to, bro? Yup, yup. Yeah, Jessica wants to know, have you guys kissed yet? And Jeremy wants to know what base they got to. (laughs) This chapter is just peak dirtbag Jeremy, and I kind of love it for him. Sports, boys, sexual bases, touch boob? Perhaps? (laughs) Did you touch boob? Is a home run like settling down and getting married? Or what's a home run? <laughs> in Mormonism, it is. In Mormonism, no. a home run is getting sealed in the temple. Yeah. I think we'd established that second base for Edward, I think, is breaking into her room. What was second base for him? It's something weird. Something, something like that. Did. But yeah, no. Edith doesn't give Bo any help, though. That's I love that because Bella is like says to Edward like what should I say to Jessica's questions because he's warned her that Jessica is going to ask her these questions um, and she kind of he kind of guides her through the conversation he's like I'd prefer if you said this this and this Edith is like best of luck you can choke like, yeah and before that she's like Bo wow it's not ethical for me to tell you what your friend is thinking and he's like what do you mean it's not ethical you tell me like you can tell me what people are thinking all the time it's very funny they're so silly and Edith once again pulls out the dimples and Bo does his non-blush blushing so we got to drink twice for those two things yeah he gets splotchy he has rosacea yeah <laughs> he has dyspraxia and, and rosacea and ocd apparently quote unquote poor guy oh and he's colorblind wow Bo is just racking up the <gasps> wow conditions. diversity win 
I'm feeling very seen by life and death right now. I just think it's very funny that like Edith doesn't boss him around and like, no, Edith, he has a humiliation kink. You have to boss him around more. <laughs> I think we have to make sure we mention that the conversation with Michaela goes very differently <gasps> from the so conversation with Mike. mean to him. Well, she's like standoffish and hurt in a way that Mike is not. Mike is king. Mike is king. Yeah. Michaela is like, you lied to me. And she's picking at her nails the whole time, which is only Damn. girls can paint their nails. She feels betrayed. And like, I kind of get it, I guess. Um, And I feel like I can't really hold it against her because Bo straight up lies to her. He lies to a her a times, lot yeah. in this conversation. Um, And it's because the conversations happen in reverse order. Like, in Twilight, the conversation with the boy happens first and then the girl, so she can truthfully tell Jessica, Mike asked about you. But when Bo is talking to Michaela, he has he's heard nothing about her from Jeremy. So he just completely fakes some shit. He's like, oh yeah, he um was talking about you. Yeah, totally. Um, and then he says he's breaking the man code by he's sharing this with her. Damn. Yeah. The amount of times the man code is mentioned ugh, in this chapter... He's breaking the man code by telling Michaela Jeremy likes her. He's breaking the man code by not telling Jeremy that he and Edith 69 in the Italian restaurant bathroom. Like, Ew. if a real man talked like this, I would assume he was like a Jordan Peterson reading incel. You know, like, you can't just talk about man code like this. But it's weird, too, because, like, man code is, like, a term that, like, when I read it first in Life and Death, I was like, yeah, I know what this means, obviously. But, in, but like, in, nobody says that. Nobody says that. But in this chapter, he's like, yeah, the man code that I made up that I invented. And it's like, you didn't invent that concept. He thinks he invented the man code. It's fun that because it really shows how little Stephanie Meyer has ever interacted with a boy on, like, a friendly Outside level. Outside of her sons, yeah. Yeah. All she knows are her sons. Where... All she knows is like her two, hungry guys, two 12 year old <laughs> boys and her husband who like Saturday night, Saturday is for the boys. Like that's the man code. Like you can tell it's lifted. She'd be in the kitchen making Totinos. <laughs> it's, it's lifted directly from those experiences and from like, I don't know, like after school specials. You know what I mean? This just proves Mike's supremacy though. It does. Yeah. The other thing that's very different in this chapter is we finally get the return of the Tyler thinks he's going with prom to Bella plot, which is completely not in this chapter of Twilight. It's only in Life and Death because in Twilight, we remember we got it earlier. In the Port Angeles dress scene, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Whereas the boys didn't get to hang out as much in Port Angeles. So Bo is only just now discovering that Taylor thinks they're going to prom together. Obviously, a woman has to tell Bo about this girl who thinks he's going on a date because men don't talk about that. Men don't talk about, oh, who are you going to go to the dance with? Which is why Jeremy was so nervous to be asking Bo about who he's going to go to the dance with. Wink, Yay. wink, wink, wink. We ship it. Oh, I love that. Um, we ship it, especially because uh, Jeremy gets this really incredible line when Bo sits down and he, he says, Dang, son, who knew you had that kind of game? The game! The game! <laughs> Stephanie Meyer trying to talk like teen boys is so funny. Dang, son! Dang, son! <laughs> All the high school boys I know say dang, you know? No, and then it gets better. And tell tell Lilia and an audience why it gets even better as Jeremy continues to talk to Bo in the scene. Well, because Jeremy actually has a very good reason for thinking that Edith and Bo hooked up, which is that, like, they arrived to school together and he assumes that Edith spent the night You're at his so house. so right. 
on a school night with his dad there. But she did. He's not wrong. If we if Midnight Sun is anything yeah, to go yeah. by, Edith did in fact spend the night at Bo's house. Bo just didn't know about it. So again, they got to whatever base breaking into someone's room is, you know? Yeah, and then poor Jeremy. Bo just crushes his dreams. He lets him down so hard. This conversation turns so savage. First of all, Bo is mad that he even has to gossip with Jeremy because the teacher hasn't arrived yet. And he gets mad that the teacher is late. He's like, um, it's like nobody even cares if we're educated. He's just a good little studious boy who wants to learn some trigonometry, Aww. you know? Um, and then Jeremy keeps trying to ask Bo these questions, and Bo is like, "Wouldn't you like to know, Weather Boy? You know, like he's, <laughs> he's giving him nothing. He's giving him nothing." Um, and then when Bo is giving him nothing, Jeremy says, "Huh, I guess Edith is just into deeply pathetic guys." That's <laughs> so Hell funny. Yeah. Which again, he's not wrong. He's so right. He's such a savage. And then Jeremy says, "Well, I guess I'd rather be with a normal girl." Yes. And Bo says. That's probably for the best. Keep your expectations low. No, and no! before he even said, yeah, that's for the best, he says, I didn't like the way he talked about Edith in general and the way he said normal really bugged me. No, Edith wasn't normal, but that wasn't because like his tone seemed to imply she was something off or wrong. She was beyond normal, above it. Me. Ooh. One might even say paranormal, wink, wink. <laughs> she was beyond normal, above it. That's so funny. I like that everyone leaving the class pauses to like do a double take and gawk at Bo because Edith is waiting for him outside class. But he says he's half expecting to see Taylor in a sparkly prom dress and a tiara. I miss that. That's so funny. Not this book being actually funny again. Like that's so funny. I love that. (laughs) The last chapter, Edith looked like Aphrodite or maybe this was the Port Angeles chapter. She looked like Aphrodite and Greek gods were for girls. But in this chapter, Edward looks like a Greek god while Edith just looks more beautiful than anyone had a right to. So what is the truth, Stephanie? Who are Greek gods for? A lack of diversity. (laughs) A lack of diversity. No, it's so confusing. I guess Greek gods are for all genders. I feel like we get different culling content in this. Well, first we get this really excellent moment that's not in Twilight where Bo offers to carry Edith's bag for her very chivalrously. He's a well-brought-up young man. And Edith is like, sure. But then she holds it out to him on her pinky finger. She's like, fuck you. I'm stronger than you'll ever be, you limp fettuccine. Like, she's like, she roasts him. She's like, here, you want to hold it? You want to hold it, you big, strong man? It's so funny. And then her bag is like really heavy. Does she do this in public? Well, yeah. And her backpack ends up being like twice as heavy as his. And he's like, oh, I didn't know you brought Cinderbucks to school. (laughs) What is in her backpack? What does she have? It's just really cute. And again, like Shannon was saying, the Cullen relationships, you get more of them. Bo, again, has superior Cullen awareness. He asks Edith if Archie is her favorite brother. And she refuses to answer, which is funny to me, because I feel like if Bella had asked Edward that, he would have been just like, yeah, it's Alice. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. There would have been none of this demure, oh, I don't have favorites. You know, like he would have been like, Alice. Edith says, it's not nice to have favorites. And then Bo says, only child. I'm everyone's favorite. And she says, it shows. Mm, Damn. Call him out, girl. Call him out. And then 
like Alice, Archie makes weird eye contact with Bo, but Archie smiles at him in a very passive aggressive way where it's clearly just to piss off Edith, who he then laughs at when she calls him annoying. It's so cute. Like they're having a moment from across the cafeteria. They're doing their little psychic conversations and it's very funny. And I wish Bella had noticed Edward and Alice doing the same thing because it's very likable. We need to fucking talk about the price of this goddamn so lunch. They go through the lunch line and Edward piles a bunch of things on one tray and it costs like 20 something. 24.93. It costs $25 in a public American high school cafeteria. Forks is in a primarily like lower class poverty line. Yes, it's a lower area. income area. Like, listen, you could argue, you could argue that Stephanie's trying to show how out of touch and rich the Cullens are, but still point me to the public school where you can fit $25 worth of food items on one tray. You would need like six at least. Listen, Stephanie, first of all, I think you might be too rich. How about you go buy some $25 lunches for the Quileute Nation? You know, like Gee. you're too rich. This You're so out of touch with this. I had to look it up because of course I did. As of 2018, the average cost of a public high school lunch in America is $2.74. Wait, really? I The absolute most expensive, knew. the most expensive public school lunch I could find was $6. And that took me 30 seconds, Stephanie, 30 seconds of research on Google. Anyway, it's not $25. Like this reads so much like the the quote from Arrested Development where she's like, it's one banana, Michael. How much could it cost? Ten dollars. Yeah. Like it you literally can't get $25 of school lunch. You would need so many trays. I just think it's so comically overdone. Like if you wanted to show, like, oh, the Cullens are rich and out of touch and they don't understand how much food should cost and how much food they should eat, like do like $12. You know, that's already so expensive for a public school lunch it's just very funny that she picked a number that like you'd have to really work to get to that number yeah and then like no wonder people are staring at you guys it's not because you two are sitting in the middle <laughs> of the cafeteria holding hands and making edith's siblings all mad five pounds of salad but it's because you have so much food in the table for some reason and <laughs> edith's only taken one bite it's a mountain of food that she just puts in front of Bo and he's like, oh, thank you. I want the description of how they have to toss it all at the end of the lunch period because they're not sitting there eating. They're sitting there talking. Wasteful. In Twilight, Bella's like, oh, is that all for me? And Edward's like, well, half of it's for me. And what if she really asked that? Not because she forgot that he doesn't eat food, but because it was like she was trying to be like, wink, wink, put some away. <laughs> this is not like Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but they, they sit down. They have their conversation once again. It's just like the last chapter. It hits all the same plot points and beats, but it's so much more fun. They're just having more fun. They're telling more jokes. Edith is pretending to be attracted to Jeremy because she loves pathetic guys. <laughs> and it's so funny. She's like, oh, you're right. I have a pathetic kink. I guess I'll have to move on to Jeremy now. Whoops. <laughs> And Bo is just like, yeah, whatever. She's like, I'm literally joking. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. I think it's also interesting to note that just like in the last chapter, and I think the chapter before, Edith is like so chill with like holding hands. With Bo. Yeah, they hold hands. Uncensored hand holding. Jesus, what? Yeah, that rice purity Whores score. who hold hands without the bishop's permission. Sad. Yeah. And the hand holding provokes some commotion at the Cullen table. 
it leads to this excellent moment where Royal and Eleanor take turns glaring at Edith, and I just have to read it to you. Okay. (laughs) Royal was glaring daggers at Edith's unprotected back, and Eleanor, across from him, was turning around to glower at Edith, too. When I looked, Royal shifted his furious eyes to me. My eyes darted to Edith, the hair standing on the back of my arms, but she was glaring back at Royal now, her upper lip pulled back off her teeth in a menacing scowl. To my surprise, (laughs) Eleanor turned around at once, and Royal dropped his threatening stare. He looked down at the table with a suddenly sulky expression. Archie looked on like he was enjoying it all hugely. (laughs) Jessamine never turned. (laughs) Jessamine said, I'm above this shit. Like, I simply do not care. Don't have time. And then Bo is so funny. He says, did I just piss off? I swallowed before I could finish. A bunch of vampires? Swallowing's so remember, for boys. Swallowings for boys. Thank you, Shannon. <laughs> Swallowing happy pride. And then there's this whole like conversation part with Edith that's not in Twilight, where she admits that Royal could kick her ass if she didn't have cheating telepathy, which I'm going to go ahead and assume is the same as true for Edward and Rosalie. Rosalie. Oh, yeah. She could take the him. the fucking floor with Edward if it weren't He's for He's such his- a skinny flu-ridden she boy. She died from Spanish influenza. This girl was a healthy, wealthy, well-off lady. Like, she, Rosalie, no, she could have mopped the floor. I just like that Edith talks about this hypothetical beatdown between her and her brother, and then she As calls it he's not listening. normal sibling issues. An only child couldn't understand, which, you know what? That's so true. If I want to beat the shit out of my sister, that's my business. That's our business. <laughs> um, And it makes Edith smile. She smiles a smile um, that starts small but ended with the full array of dimples, like the grand finale at the end of a fireworks show on the 4th of July. (laughs) I just love that line. How many fucking dimples does she have? (laughs) How many are you supposed to have? Girl, you so sexy. Your face is like the 4th of July. Like, what does that mean? Wait, where are all of her dimples? They're somewhere They're somewhere under her long eyes. Under her long eyes, she's got hella <laughs> dimples. Oh, and speaking of long eyes, they get mentioned for a third goddamn I'm time. I'm going to kill myself. Where? It says, I looked at her long gold eyes and tried to imagine refusing anything she wanted. I just... She can't keep getting away with this. This is the third time. I'm going to burn this book. I have a candle right here for this reason. Any- anyway, it's happened three times. So I'm going to need you guys to all finish <sighs> yeah. your drink for Edith's long gold eyes. Finish Cheers. your drink. I'm going to pee my pants. I am too. I guess this Gatorade's going. Anyway, after the long eyes, um, Bo, I mean, sorry, Edith and Edward both say to Bo and Bella, well, what if I had been the one to ask you to the dance? Would you have said yes? And Bella and Bo both say yes, but then they would have tried to get out of it later. Bella says she would have faked an illness or a sprained ankle. Well, both said he says he would have actually broken his leg. He would have actually <laughs> physically broken his leg to get out of going to the dance with Edith, which Love is that. so funny to me. Like he's a hardcore bitch. He would have broken his goddamn leg. Good for him. Oh man. I like that in, where Edward is like uh, talking to Bella, he's like, oh, I obviously love you more. Like, get fucked. Um, Edith is just like, if we're being honest here, I have many more hours thinking about you, 
than you do of me because I and don't sleep. Banter. So I got you there. And that's so he pulled funny. out the number. Edward's like, how could you ever understand how much I feel about you? Like you're dumb and stupid and blah, blah, blah. But Edith's just like, all right, well, here's the, the actual facts here. He pulls out a graph. I'm awake 24 hours a day. Yeah, it ends with them quibbling about REM cycles and dreams. And it, it implies, Bo implies that he has a bunch of sex dreams of her, which is so funny. I hope she's there to witness that. He says something like when I dream of you it's not bad and then like blushes really red so like it's pretty funny I like that part that's cute there's an important blink and you'll miss it sentence where Edith says Archie says the weather will be nice yes. at a point where Edward just says the weather will be nice which is funny because Bella and Bo do not know yet that Archie and Alice are psychic they don't know that and Bo's usually more insightful mm-hmm. he doesn't notice this one because he's so caught up in the banter Archie just has the weather app pulled up <laughs> I was about to say the same thing <laughs> Archie's just like really into weather. Junior meteorologist. No, literally me in middle school just watching the weather channel six hours a day after school. I had this friend in also in middle school who could name all the hurricanes of like every Same. year. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Shannon, what were you doing for six hours a day after school? The basement TV, no one was allowed to turn it from the weather channel because I would wake up in the morning and I would go downstairs and I would make sure to catch my local on the eights at least twice before I had to leave to go to school. What? And I did this for years. Wait, you I did this for years. Wait, wait um, why? No, yeah, that's... Anyways. <laughs> what a lesson for us <laughs> that's all. all. I have to say. I think it's important to note that when Bella ogles Emmett's muscles, Bo also ogles Eleanor's muscles. And he pictures her lifting a mountain. So feats does of strength. He? Yeah, he does. Feats of strength are still for girls in this chapter. However, there is some sexual dimorphism about the muscles and it's pretty stupid. Emmett has thick bands of muscle while Eleanor has long, smooth lines of muscle. <laughs> Don't like that. Don't like that. Let her have thick bands. Let her have thick bands. Mm, yeah, let her. My final note is very important. It's that Bo, unlike Bella, is not drinking a Coke in this scene. Oh, what the hell is he drinking? We never learn what he's drinking, but judging by the price of that lunch, I'm guessing it was like a 1905 Cabernet Sauvignon or something. Like he's drinking a full <laughs> no, bar. That was a monster energy. Yeah, there are some there are some good lines in this chapter. One of my favorite things was that throughout the cafeteria scene, Bo and Edith had this running joke about Vans attacking him. Oh, that's um, right. He says, like, you never know when another rogue van might attack. And he was talking about all the vans that were going to attack him in Seattle. I feel yeah. like we need to mention they agree to not go to Seattle in both this chapter and Twilight. They're like, we're going to go somewhere instead and you'll get to see me in the sun. You'll get to see me in the sun. Mysterious secondary location. Once again, Bo and Bella agreeing without knowing where they're going, which I have some concerns. <laughs> I also like Bo says, my heart did the weird double thump thing. And I hoped I wasn't developing some kind of aortic issue. Me too. <laughs> I also hope that. Yeah, that was like the, from the first paragraph. Like, buddy, us too. Be well. Your heart shouldn't be behaving this way. Um, but yeah, did you want to hear my list of things for men and women? They're pretty I short this time. Love your list. Yeah. Okay. Pretty short, pretty unimpressive. Things that are for men. Gray V-necks. Being a Greek god. Breaking your leg on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and thick bands of muscle. Ew. Things that are for women. Lavender sweaters. Fourth of July face. Faking sick. Long, smooth lines of muscle. Lifting mountains for the second time and Coca-Cola. 
that's for girls now. I feel like girls won this one. Feats of strength and Coca-Cola, yeah. I'd girls say so. always win on these <laughs> And boys, things. boys just got breaking your leg on purpose. They are pitiful. These, these life and death men are very pitiful. The good thing is $25 lunches for all. All genders. <sighs> yeah. Yay. A universal experience in this nightmarish universe. <laughs> $25 lunch. God. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I had. I don't know who you guys had for MVP. Do you want to put forth suggestions, Shannon? Edith. I kind of, yeah. I Honestly, there's kind of, you can't go wrong with this chapter. I would be happy with anyone as MVP. They all did a good job. They all did great. Taylor was silly. Michaela and Jeremy were silly. Bo was si- Everyone, the Cullen siblings were having a crazy little crisis in their corner. Good time was had by all. From what has been explained to me, I now think Archie is the MVP. Archie seems like... He was having a good goddamn no, time. He was he so much. He was hazing the shit out of Edith and befriending Bo. I know. That's why, oh, there was another weird thing, because I don't think in Twilight it mentions that Rosalie gets up and storms away, but they do mention in Life yeah. and Death that at one point Bo looks over and Royal's just gone. Royal embodies my favorite meme of hit the bricks. Yeah. Hit the bricks. Hit the bricks. And I really think that it was, or she was just sitting there giggling while Royal stormed away. <laughs> 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 that's all i had for life and death so if shannon is ready for a midnight sun i think that it's so funny that carlisle because carlisle of course like last uh, chapter he goes to take care of it and he literally drives this unconscious man to portland oregon to turn him into the authorities like just eat him bro bro at this point it's such a waste eat him Get Rosalie to snap his neck and sink oh, his body to the bottom of, I don't know, what's the Seattle, the sound? Ship him <laughs> off to one of the um, the non-vegetarian friends you've got. Be like, I have a snack for you. Seriously. <laughs> you could kill two birds with one stone. Peter and Charlotte were just there. They, they can't have got far. They were just there. They just call them back. They'd be back in like seven hours, I'm sure. I'm sure they haven't gone far. And then um, at the end, because this is all happening at the beginning, because the cha- the chapter opens up with Edward back at home. They're watching like the news of this guy's arrest. Of yeah. the guy's arrest, and it's just like a passing like two line report on CNN because there's like a kidnapping in the Middle East and something else happens. So they're like watching the news, like oh god, glad all this other stuff they're, is happening. They're watching the Weather Channel. <laughs> We're watching local eight on <laughs> local eight. on the eights, and no, they're not. They have Alice. They don't need that. Anyways, I think it's very funny that because um, the guy is like guilty or no suspected of crimes in like Oklahoma and Texas, and Edward is basically is thinking to himself, "I hope he gets extradited to Texas, where the death penalty is harsher." Like, bro, do it yourself. You could have killed. Ugh. Are you joking me? Why are you waiting for Texas to do it? You have it. This is so clearly written by a woman with with faith in the um the system. This yeah. is so clearly yep. written by a woman yep. who has faith in our justice system, which is just something you shouldn't have as a vampire. You've seen how it goes. You've been alive for many well, something years. Something you don't need as a vampire. Either, <sighs> you know, like you're already breaking a mazillion laws, Edward. You broke into her room last night. You're committing tax fraud. <laughs> like Kill the rapist. What the what's hell? one guy? You know, It's like that like joke where it's like, oh, if you kill a murderer, then... No, if you kill a murderer, then the amount of murderers stays the same in the world and then it's like all right well then kill more than one <laughs> exactly kill multiple yeah. murders and he's already done that if only he weren't <sighs> lame if only he hadn't repented of that face god i wish he hadn't the it murder would, era i would be an edward stan so quick alice talks about how they're gonna take rosalie's car to school 
I love, first of all, I love the kind of affectionate way that Alice calls Rosalie a show off. Like, first of all, girl, you're the biggest show off in all of literature. <laughs> Those two are you just funny. To say that about Rosalie. But it's cute to get like any hints of Alice and Rosalie's relationship because we get so Yeah, little. so they have these moments when we get the crumbs in Midnight Sun. And I do appreciate that. I think it's very fun. Mm-hmm. I, I do like, though, that when Alice is talking to Edward, which again, love their moments, love their moments are so fun. She goes, you should know, though, that this isn't just me being selfish because Alice wants to talk to Bella. And she says, Bella's going to like me, too. And then Edward thinks, would Bella want to know Alice to have a vampire for a girlfriend, baby? A girlfriend? For a girlfriend? Baby. Don't we all? Don't we all, baby? Never forget that Stephanie Meyer has many girlfriends. And that's why she's a feminist. <laughs> Gay me rights. too, bestie. I don't like the immediate right after this, Edward's like, but what Bella wanted and what was best for Bella are two very separate things because it's like, same note. I was rooting for you. I'm about to kill this man. I'm about to strangle him. I don't like that. Yeah. I actually really like the paragraph where he listens to her get ready inside her house. Because it it fulfills the same stalker vibes as the breaking into her room, except that it gives us a different perspective. Almost well, it's a different perspective, but like this time he can't help it. Like he's not doing this to be a creepy voyeur. Like he literally just has good hearing, and he's outside in a public space waiting for her. Plus, I think just from a writing standpoint, it's kind of fun. It feels vampiric, and it shows more than it tells in like an interesting way. It's like yeah. he hears the the things in the fridge rattling around, and he hears her kind of running, and he's like, "Huh, maybe she's rushing to come see me." And it's cute. It's like, oh, I like that. That's kind of a fun. I mean, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. My favorite part of Midnight Sun is that there's more vampire stuff in yeah. it, like including and not limited to he. We get to hear things that he hears, whereas yes. Bella is never like. And then I thought about maybe that he could hear me piss. And because it's not relevant to the plot. But in Midnight Sun, it's like, and then I heard her wash her hands. And you're like, hell yeah, you did. It is fun. Like in this chapter, he talks about being able to hear her heart and breathing. But then when they're in the cafeteria and she's eating, it's like, can you hear her digesting? Because you should be able to. Oh, that would be a nightmare. That would be a sensory nightmare. Yeah. Oh, that'd be awful. Well, and like, that's kind of why this paragraph stood out is because she so often forgets to like add the vampire details and this is like the one place she remembered to put him in i was like oh i like this oh wait um we get the green sweater the green sweater i was waiting for that the The best character ladies and ladies give it up for the green fucking sweater the green sweater a new character exclusive to midnight sun who we've never (sighs) met before i hate the way that he describes it though i love the way that he describes it though i hate the way he says the wet, the long sweater was too big for her, unflattering. It masked her se- slender figure, turning all of her delicate curves and soft lines into a shapeless jumble. <laughs> I appreciated that almost as much as I wish that she had worn something more like the soft blue blouse she had on last night. Like, sir, this is what you learn every day when you go to your little Mormon Bible study of like, <laughs> how to dress and how to expect people to dress. And it's where it's like, damn, good thing she wore that green sweater. Or I would just I would have, been have to have sex with her immediately. Yeah. yeah. I would fail the rice purity <laughs> test in this moment. <laughs> Had she not worn this baggy, lumpy ass sweater, it it makes me feel gross. I like that we're introduced to the sweater as a character, though, because Edward fucking hates the sweater. You get a little bit of a sense here. It comes back up multiple times. It's weird that he hates it when clearly here, when he says... 
It was better essential that I kept my thoughts far, far away from that shape, meaning Bella's, the shape of Bella, Bella's body. So I was grateful for that unbecoming sweater. Sir, that sweater is being your pal right now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this chapter, we get that the sweater is unflattering. The unbecoming sweater, the ridiculous sweater, the hideous sweater. It just keeps going. That's all only this chapter? That's all this chapter. Those are sweater negs in this one chapter. My best Edward negs this chapter are all just the sweater. (laughs) I do love that it's the segue to once again describing Edward's horniness in the funniest possible way. I don't know if either of you had this um, paragraph. And I think, Shannon, you did because it's a little bit in your summary. But the one where he talks about the strange hungers. Can I read the strange hungers? Please read the strange hungers, but I don't think I wrote that exact quote. He says, it would be a monumental mistake to dwell on the strange hungers that thoughts of her lips, her skin, her body were shaking loose inside me. Hungers that had evaded me for a hundred years, but I could not allow myself to think of touching her because that was impossible. I would break her. I would break her. (laughs) Not the strange hungers. I would break her. This is odd because it's like, okay, so thirst is like killing. Hunger is fucking? Or is it like, is it like between the two? I would break her. I mean, foreshadowing? Uh, A little bit. A little bit. Drink for the translucent depths of Bella's eyes. They're once again deep, deep eyes. Can't let that go. Doesn't he describe her eyes at one point as opaque in this chapter? I got so confused. (laughs) Opaque just means he suddenly can't read her emotions. I don't like that. It makes me feel like she had like, she just closed her eyes. It was like they were opaque. I couldn't see them. She put on sunglasses, but like (laughs) opaque sunglasses. I I, I roll every time in this chapter. He talks about like, oh, it's all about her choice. I'm going to let her choose. But it's like, dude, you showed up Mm. to her driveway open the door and every time you say that you're already like leading her into the obvious answer that she's going to give which is what you want so like where what choice really like what choice he also really just said five seconds ago like she can make choices but they're i'm not gonna let her because they're not good yeah he says i know what's best for her and then he's like oh i'm totally it's totally her choice yeah which we can we can tie back to the mormon bible When God does know what is best for humanity, um, but he sets them up to fail, which in the Mormon religion is seen as not necessarily a bad thing, not entirely a bad thing. So in this metaphor, Edward is God setting (laughs) Bella up to fail so that more can occur. I don't like that. He isn't, he's talking about how he's like, oh, I feel so happy. He's, he's guilty for it, but he's like, I feel happy. But it's like, he's not even acting happy. Like Bella's not like, wow, he's in a good mood. He's just normal, intolerable. <laughs> well, you know who else, you know, who is noticing his good mood? All of his poor creeped out teachers and classmates. <gasps> oh my God. Every time, <laughs> smiles. every time he smiles or laughs and like a classmate or teacher is just like, like, out of what nowhere, zero context, middle of class, he's sitting there smiling and laughing to himself. It's so once fucking again. funny. I like that point, and I wanted to give a shout out to my man Rob Sawyer, who sat at, Sawyer. sat at the right to my or sat to the right of my desk, flinched visibly, and slid deeper into his seat away from me. <laughs> and then the guy thinks Rob Sawyer, my new best friend, thinks ugh, creepy. <laughs> Rob Sawyer is the new Stoner Tara. I think they should <gasps> date. I think they oh should. Oh my be god, friends. that's literally so true. 
even before this, Edward's like thinking to himself as he's talking about it, like, I'm keeping it light. I'm doing a good job. I'm being a normal yeah. boy. I'm being a normal boy. Normal core Edward. He's he's really like set up his script for talking. So what I'm going to do, I want you both to know that I'm going to do this thing, this chapter, where I'm going to try okay. so hard to be nice to Edward. Aww. Oh my God. This is before um, Edward even like splits up with Bella. Um because at one point Jessica's thinking about cornering Bella for more info on their dinner, which of course Edward gives Bella a heads up about. And then Edward says, I winced at her speculations and not just because she'd replaced Bella with herself in the mental, mental pictures, but bro, he just did that the other day. Yeah. That's some he hypocrisy. He's such a hypocrite. He deep faked Jessica's fantasies. And I know Bella. I just said I was going to come to Edward's defense more, but that's kind of, you're just being an asshole. Now, shady behavior. Shady so behavior. Shady. I would like to um, put a pin in something here yes. for something that happens way like weeks later in terms of this podcast that Edward's ability to read minds is very poorly defined yeah because he hears thoughts but sometimes he's and I I like wrote down where and when sometimes he is able to see Bella's specific expression through anybody's eyes yeah. and then other times he's like if only i could see her face if only i could see what her mouth looked like in this moment yeah um and i think we all have to remember that for the future i agree yeah. yeah speaking of pins for future episodes this is the first time we hear about edward wanting to give angela a gift mm. he wants to repay her for having nice girl normal core thoughts yeah she's pure she's happy so yeah no this is like she's hard to shop for because she's content yeah she's happy so like yeah. no mental illness allowed she quote unquote <laughs> has what she wants and wants what she has because she's not no poverty a... allowed and then it says she cared for her twin little brothers often but wasn't resentful of this fact because she's so maternal and giving so like Angela's basically like the poster child for what like a Mormon person should be as someone who cares for their twin little brothers often i'm so resentful of that fact <laughs> you want what you want you have what you have no i'm not i did love this detail about angela as a kid because i was like oh my god am i angela am i, I her am i the nice normal core girl <laughs> but yeah no edward's like oh angela's so nice so we gotta i gotta repay her so yeah g is right definitely put a big old pin in that one there the when Edward's eavesdropping on the conversation that <laughs> Bella's having with uh, Jessica, he thinks she couldn't want to be that close to my teeth. For all she knew, I had fangs. And like, bro, I was gonna say. but like, if she's the first to tell your eyes change color, then I bet you anything she is sure that you don't have fangs. And like, if he did, hot. Yeah, she's been describing to us your teeth nonstop. Dude. Yeah, you got a great <laughs> smile, my guy. You are not scary. I like that he continues that attitude. There's another quote where he says, um, again, for half a second, I was distracted by the idea, the impossibility of what it would be like to try to kiss Bella. My lips to her lips, Ew. cold stone to warm, yielding silk. And then she dies. Uh, yep, immediately. <laughs> Wait, I like that part. I want to say, and then she dies is the title of Edward's sex tape, but like it literally is the title of Edward's sex tape. We've all read Breaking Dawn, and then she dies. Wow, there is a suspicious amount of foreshadowing in these books. For Yeah, chapter 10 is heavy on the foreshadowing, slash 11. I'd like to back up a little bit when she's like, tell me everything. And Bella's like, what if I didn't? 
<laughs> um, Jessica in her head thinks, oh, she's so slow. And you might think immediately like, oh, because she's talking slowly so she doesn't have to talk to Jessica. But what in my mind, as a person with a disability, I'm immediately like, what the fuck, Jessica? <laughs> you think she has like a cognitive disability? Well, there's oh, some, there's some more here? support for that because <laughs> it's so clear that Jessica just thinks of Bella as the world's biggest, most boring idiot. I know. Um, the part where she simplifies her questions to talk to Bella, she's like, let me try this again. <laughs> like talking to a kindergartner. kindergartner yeah. So good. That took me the fuck out. Jessica is like, she's like trying to provoke it. her into giving better answers and that's good for her I like yeah that. valid Bella's giving her she's like yes queen give us nothing again when like no actually this is your time to confide in someone and like get a second opinion on this relationship that you're constantly doubting you know yeah and in Twilight when Jessica's doing this Bella's eventually like oh but it's more behind the face and in that scene in Twilight it's just like a passing part of the conversation but in Midnight Sun another retcon is that Stephanie Meyer says Bella snapped Bella didn't snap a shit. No. Bella didn't snap that out. Like, no. Not a, like Stephanie wanted to think that we were going to be like, oh, she did. She Girl, came to his defense. We know she didn't, but all right. I made a note about that line, mm-hmm. but he's even more unbelievable behind his face. And it just says bones. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a skeleton, baby. But even when Steph, even when Jess and um, and Bella are talking about this, Edward in his brain is like, "Why does she not know I love her?" It's clearly all in the subtext. Like, sir, mm. he's talking about the subtext. Maybe put it in the text. You know, put it in the text, bro. <laughs> if you want her to know, because she's kind of slow, you have to talk to her like a kindergartner. <laughs> um, gee, do, um, do you want to talk about uh, who's in Edward's gym class? Yes. Oh my God. Edward and Alice have gym together and they are badminton partners in this chapter. They're so do you think cute. they wear an outfit to school? Just yeah. Of course they do. Of course. We see one in the movies. I like when it's just like Alice was twirling her racket like a baton, staring at the ceiling. She took a step closer to the net and Lauren flinched two steps back. <laughs> she was just terrified of that baton twirling. This four foot ten girl boss. <laughs> yeah. This quote unquote weird girl. I like the the discourse about Jim that he talks about a little bit. Tell us, tell us. I like that Emmett Emmett's like so morally against them being a gym. It is an affront to his personal philosophy. Yeah. I like it reminds me That's of so funny. The Incredibles at the very end where they're like oh, throwing yeah. the race. That's Emmett. He's like, like no, going no, too no, fast. Like, no, no, no. Second place. Go for second place. That's Carlisle and Esme. Anytime they gotta go to like a field day or Emmett something. Emmett comes in second and he's like, I hate this fucking family. <laughs> he's choking back tears. On days where um, Emmett has Jim, he's like, we gotta go to the back and I gotta beat the hell out of Jasper. He's gotta <laughs> let out some steam. I imagine that at some point in this class, they have contact sports in which they are obligated Maybe. to make contact with other people. And so they either have to be on each other's team and then go so like chill against each other, which you know Emmett and Jasper are not about to do <laughs> nah. for any reason. And they can egg Edward on enough. You know, they can get him to do whatever in any situation where they're fuck off of a gym coach is like, no, you have to be on this team. Just And then Jasper just kills someone, right? Like, he just kills someone. Like, that's the only option there. Yeah, That's gotten them kicked out of at least three schools. 
Oh man. Um, guess what character, what other important character makes them an appearance in Midnight Sun? Granted, we've already seen this character in the other two episodes or the, the other pizza? two chapters. Is the it the pizza? Pizza, baby. Return of Lilia. Lilia, this is where we get all the information about the pizza. So if you want to talk about this pizza shit, you go right on ahead, my darling. First of all, we've gone over the religious context of this scene already <laughs> in detail. Now we're going to go over how this affects vampires in canon. So Edward describes this meaning ingesting pizza. Sure. Ingesting quote unquote pizza. Um, <laughs> in this scene, um, Edward describes he, Bella kind of eggs him on. She's like, oh, eat it, eat it. I Like what would happen? And Edward's like, no, I wouldn't. I don't want to do it. And Bella's like, what if I dared you? And he's like, all right, I have to fold now. Well, no, because um, he, she's like, what would happen? And he immediately just takes a bite. She's, she doesn't have to like, convince him that much. He just willingly does she's it. She's like, I'm curious. And he goes, what a surprise. And then for whatever reason <laughs> in the, I wrote, wow, so fucking obvi, girly. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I don't remember writing that. Whatever it is, it's um, true and valid. Oh, it is. Yeah. And he complains that she's always curious and then says that he has had to eat before because it's part of the charade. And so he reaches for the closest thing, which was pizza. He doesn't know that it's pizza. Like, yeah, it's weird. He doesn't just mention that it's pizza until a full page later after he's eaten it. Yeah, and he actually says that he can't tell what it is without looking at it with his eyes. He picks it up. And doesn't know what it is, which is really funny because he could have picked up the milk carton and just <laughs> swallowed it from town. Takes a bite out of cardboard. Moral of the story, don't just eat shit without looking at it. You have to know what it is. Um, Do you have the description of it? Yeah, it's it was slimy and chunky and repulsive as any other human food. I chewed swiftly and swallowed, trying to keep the grimace off for my boys. face. Swallowing for boys. Um, so he swallows, which we know is for boys. But I'd like to make it clear. He swallows this this unidentified food into his stomach. The gob <laughs> of food moved slowly and uncomfortably down my throat. And then he says, and let's all quiet down for this one. I sighed as I thought, Shannon, I said to quiet down. <laughs> I sighed as I thought of how I would have to choke it back up later. This means if you spit in a vampire's mouth, they then have to go outside in the back and wretch that spit back up. Anything they eat. Does this mean that every like couple weeks or months they have to like go and like hurl a glob of whatever has gone in them up because I'm assuming that when you're hunting you're putting your mouth on these furry bugs. covered animals you're, you're probably running getting bugs fast. you're getting fur you're getting like flesh from like the animals and stuff flesh. in your body yes food if it has to go in water I think maybe every couple months is a fun assumption I was assuming it, it has he says later so like later today is what I was imagining they like just go out into the backyard and do their nightly retching together like cats <laughs> trying to get a hairball up so I'm just thinking of like <laughs> Family, act family activity, retching in the backyard. This biology, their biology is so fucked. It is so dumb. She's not a biologist. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, I think I think that I think it's fun. I think it's dumb in a fun way that I like. 
not only is he taking a bite of pizza, but Bella takes a bite of the pizza <gasps> right on the part that he's bitten off, which is gross mm-hmm. whether he's a vampire or not. But in his head, he's thinking like, wow, she's so trusting. My venom is on that pizza. My venom is spit. Um, and it reminded me of way back in the day, someone had the idea of like, what if Bella ingested enough of his venomous spit that she started changing into a vampire right Ew. in the middle of the cafeteria? Like, what if she even had like a, like a, she bit her lip earlier in the morning or something, or she had like a, a healing sore on her cheek. Cold I sore. don't know. You never yeah. know. What? And then she starts screaming after she takes his bite of pizza. And he's like, oh, great. She's scared of me now. And Alice is like, that's not yeah. what's happening. They have to, they have to abduct her in the middle of the cafeteria and go fake her death and hide her (laughs) (laughs) rosalie is furious but like not just because she realizes what's happening but apparently alice had to tell her slash them the truth that bella knew because she's like what knew about the vampire secret yeah yeah so i guess it's just funny because i mean like she's right to be furious but it's funny that alice is like telling edward in her head like i had to make shit be known like i had to let them know before it she found out another way and it got worse. I just think what's funny about it is that Bella is completely oblivious to this. Rosalie is having a full scale meltdown on the other side of the cafeteria. Emmett is trying to talk her down. Alice is trying to like talk to Edward and Bella's just sitting there like chewing her pizza spit. Like, <laughs> And it's heavily, it's heavily implied that previously people had found out they were vampires and they immediately had to move. Yeah. And it's happened multiple times and this was extremely upsetting to Rosalie. Yeah. So it's not like this is without reason. And yeah. clearly Rosalie's having the worst time because she's thinking about all of these things. Like she's so worried about yeah. it. It's fucked up though, because it's like, wow, Rosalie just doesn't want me to have like true love. Like, no, she's fucking right to be furious. Jasper is described as not much happier than Rosalie. Yeah, he's also furious, but he doesn't say shit because like- He's just like, like leave me out of this. I, I can't, I'm not. But Rosalie is is like listing off. She's inventing new insults. She, she yeah, she going. has to come up with French in- insults to hurl at Edward all lunch, fresh all insults. lunch long because she's like Did a you say French insult. Fresh? No, I have a speech okay. impediment. <laughs> Fuck off. Remember, I'm ableist. Remember. <laughs> Fuck off. Anyways, no, I think it's so funny that it because it keeps coming back throughout the scene. Like there'll be more dialogue with Bella, and then he'll be like, "Meanwhile, Rosalie's still insulting me." <laughs> oh my god, yeah, the whole time too. Like while this whole scene is happening, Rosalie is not. She letting keeps up. it up. Good yeah. for her. It's extra funny because Stephanie Meyer never says like, and then she called me a fucking bastard whore. <laughs> it's always like. And then she called me a nitwit, which was going way too far. <laughs> <laughs> He's so sensitive. <laughs> I'm just imagining Esme after school, like, Rosalie, did you call your brother a nincompoop? Oh, my God. <laughs> they have to put a fresh stack in the swear jar. The Colin swear jar must be crazy. You could feed your family for life on that. Bands on bands on bands. I love the part where he's like, how dare you say you're ordinary? You don't know you're beautiful. Like, sir, you called her you ordinary in this very be- book. I have the receipts. It's on page one. You called her ordinary. I like two things about that. One, that in the next breath, he's like, oh, the fact that you're a clumsy piece of shit. Yeah, I noticed. (laughs) I got to say next, every time Edward utters the phrase, my underworld, I need 16 (laughs) hours of therapy. I first misread that as underwear. And then I laughed harder when I realized it said underworld. My underworld. Finish your drink for another stupid Hades illusion. Oh my God. His underworld. I hate that it's multiple times in this book. Mm. 
I mean, listen, if your shitty little brother is getting away with some shit that you would have gotten mocked and harassed and fucking move across the country for, then like I would, oh mm-hmm. man. No wonder Jasper's just as mad as Rosalie. He's probably not as mad yeah. for the same reason. Well, and like Edward's doing this on purpose, you know? When Jasper slips up, it's not on purpose. And it's in earshot of his siblings. Like at least right in wait. front of their actual uneaten or choked back up later salad. You like know? he could be having this conversation in the car ride on the way home from school, but no, he does it in the middle of the cafeteria so they can hear. He's such an asshole. I, I think it's really funny that Bella says, no one has tried to do away with me today. And then meanwhile, Rosalie is across the cafeteria <laughs> plotting 16 ways to kill her. She said, bet, I've got the rest of the school day. I can make it happen. And then there's the part where Bella tells him that she doesn't plan on telling Charlie that she'll be with Edward during her like Seattle trip, which turns into a non-Seattle trip. And then Edward says or thinks, I glared at her, though the anger was, as usual, directed at myself. So it's like, then why are you glaring at her? Stop if, that. Stop that. If you have such good control, sir, Mm, maybe present it one of these days. Mm -hmm. No, I do. That whole passage where he's talking about um, going on their their non-Seattle expedition. um, And he's talking about he's once again, he's he thinks she's going to be so horrified by the sight of him in body glitter. He thinks she's he's she's going to run screaming for the hills. He says, I could show her the real me if I was brave enough to endure her horror and disgust. Title of his sex tape. <laughs> All right, listen. He's going to come out as glittery. Happy pride. But yeah, I didn't have a ton more notes other than more deep eyes, drink for those. <laughs> There's that fun little poke, poking fun at Emmett's anti-bear vendetta about how 70 years and he hasn't gotten over losing to the bear that first time. It's really cute. It's cute. Um, my only other thought for this whole chapter, um, you guys might have more, but my only other thought is that... um. In every other chapter leading up to this one, it's been more about like, let me try not to kill her. Um, We still get little snippets of that here and there, but it feels like much of a less, much less of a factor in this chapter because there's so much other stuff going on. He does bring it up here and there just so that we're sure that he's, we're not forgetting that he's trying not to actively murder her, but it so quickly has become something that feels like, oh yeah, remember when he was actively attempting to murder her all the time? Yeah. Kind of the only lip service that it gets in this chapter is that he's puts back on the jacket that she borrowed and it smells like her. And he's like, oh, it worked. It was desensitizing to me, the smell of the jacket. So it was kind of like, eh, I guess. I don't know yeah. if that's a good enough explanation for you being able to hold calm conversations with her. But I understand I have to suspend my disbelief and be like, he can yeah. hold conversations with her. Yeah, it's It's also interesting because in the end of this chapter, he's like, what if I did scare you? <laughs> like, maybe I need to scare you a little bit. Um, whereas the whole time, he's been, like, fine this chapter. Yeah. Well, and he even says, maybe like... that's your own fault. Jessica's no longer scared of me because Bella has made me so soft. And, like, dude, you were... Jessica was never scared of you to begin with, man. They think you're fucking weird, bro. Okay, my favorite... This is another one of Edward negging Bella's feelings because they couldn't possibly be as strong as his. He says... She couldn't honestly believe that her human feelings, the fruition of 17 short mortal years, could be stronger than this demolition ball of emotion that had wrecked me after a century of emptiness. <laughs> I can't. Which is I can't. Just the best Edward sentence. Like, that's everything you need to know about this book in a uh... nutshell. Um, and then my other favorite sentence is, why wouldn't she see me for the monster I was? Rosalie certainly did. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's so true. Hell yeah, she does. Yeah, but I want to hear from you guys who you think the MVP should be. Because I'm not budging with mine, so I'm going to say it last. 
Well, I mean, you know I love nun pizza with left vampire venom, but I've, I've got to give it to Rosalie. Any chapter where Rosalie does a long string of anti-Edward insults, she automatically wins. It's just like, I can't. I, no, nobody can compete with Rosalie this chapter. I'm going to give it to Bella not knowing about never going to a second location <laughs> um, <laughs> without telling somebody first. I think that was pretty iconic of her. You want to give it to Bella for being dumb? No, not to Bella. To Bella not knowing that you shouldn't go. <laughs> Bella's ignorance? To Bella's, Bella's ignorance. ignorance. The the action of ignorance. Okay. I I like the Rosalie nomination, but I have to give it to my man, Rob Sawyer. Rob Sawyer? Who thought Pug creepy when Edward like <laughs> giggled to himself in class. Rob Sawyer, chapter 11. Uh, you know what? That's MVP. fine. I'll I'll totally give. Yeah, Rob Sawyer can have it. I'm Rosalie is, can be a runner-up though, and I guess Bella's ignorance. Well, it's prevalent everywhere. <laughs> Bella's ignorance. It's prevalent everywhere. All right. Well, that's all I had on that. Same here. Wow. wow. We did it. Thank you Ooh. for having me. No, Lilia. You're thank welcome. you for being we, on here. We like no, having you. Thank no, you. Thank you. Bitch. No. Thank fuck you. Fuck off, you, Lilia. Fuck you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you, Lilia. So, um, we were looking forward to having you on here and you did not disappoint. No, I've been so excited about this for so long. I'm so happy. <laughs> I'm so happy you came on. Thank you, Lilia. I mean it. Okay. Well, since um, we've forbidden Lilia from sharing social media accounts. For reasons. <laughs> we are going to let Lilia share our social media accounts. Thank you, Lilia, in advance. Hell yeah. yeah. Hi, everybody. It's me again. Um for Tumblr, Instagram, and Gmail, you can find us at three books, one plot, all words, one word. Um, and for Twitter, you can find us at three books, one plot, but the three and the one are numbers. And we also have a Ko-Fi and it's also three books, one plot, all words, one word. And all of that goes to hosting costs. Thank you, Lilia. It also, sure does. you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere that you're streaming this, uh, please make sure to um, oh, no. to rate. <laughs> make sure to rate the podcast, and please leave a review. A lot of a lot of people have been very kindly um, rating the podcast, but we got a really funny. We review. want your honest thoughts, okay? This person gave their honest thoughts, and they told us we were a little pretentious, which I personally <laughs> take umbrage because I can't speak for Shannon, but I'm a lot it's pretentious true. actually. So I'm not pretentious. <laughs> That's all G. I wish I could be pretentious. I reference Moby Dick three times an episode, you know, like it's fine. <laughs> Um, so yeah, if you're listening and if you've made it this far into the episode, please, please give us a, a rate um, a review, whatever it is that you can share with a friend. Yeah. Um, and G, do you happen to have our uh, safety tip of the week? This oh week? my God. Yes. So our safety tip of the week is never share a pizza with a vampire. Yeah. You don't know what's in their saliva. Yeah. Don't do that. Bella, girl, you should have thought twice. Next thing you know, your soul is damned for eternity. Don't bite into that pizza. Yeah, don't do it. It ain't worth it. You're going to get your guts messed up and not in a fun way. <laughs> and yeah, that's um, that's all. Thanks for joining us again for episode 10. We will see you guys in the next episode. Stay safe out there. Bye. 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 Bye.